Chapter Eight of Aunt Jane's Nieces. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bridget Gage. Aunt Jane's Nieces by L. Frank Baum. Chapter Eight, The Diplomat. Aunt Jane was in her garden enjoying the flowers. This was her especial garden, surrounded by a high box hedge. And quite distinct from the vast expanse of shrubbery and flower beds, which lent so much to the beauty of the grounds at Elmhurst, Aunt Jane knew and loved every inch of her property. She had watched the shrubs personally for many years, and planned all the alterations and the construction of the flower beds, which James had so successfully attended to. Each morning, when her health permitted, she had inspected the greenhouses and issued her brief orders. Brief, because her slightest word to the old gardener incurred the fulfilment of her wishes. But this bit of garden adjoining her own rooms was her especial pride, and contained the choicest plants she had been able to secure. So, since she had been confined to her chair, the place had almost attained to the dignity of a private drawing room, and on bright days she spent many hours here, delighting to feast her eyes with the rich coloring of the flowers and to inhale their fragrance. For however gruff Jane Merrick might be to the people with whom she came in contact, she was always tender to her beloved flowers, and her nature invariably softened when in their presence. By and by, Oscar the groom stepped through an opening in the hedge and touched his hat. "Has my niece arrived?" asked his mistress sharply. "She's on the way, mum," the man answered, grinning. "She stopped outside the grounds to pick wild flowers, and said I was to tell you she'd walk the rest of the way." To pick wild flowers, that's what she said, mum. She's that fond of 'em she couldn't resist it. I was to come and tell you this, mum, and she'll follow me directly. Aunt Jane stared at the man sternly, and he turned toward her an unmoved countenance. Oscar had been sent to the station to meet Louise Merrick and drive her to Elmhurst, but this strange freak on the part of her guest set the old woman thinking what her object could be. Wild flowers were well enough in their way. But those adjoining the grounds of Elmhurst were very ordinary and unattractive, and Miss Merrick's aunt was expecting her. Perhaps, a sudden light illumined the mystery. See here, Oscar, has this girl been questioning you? She asked a few questions, Mum, about me. Some of 'em, Mum, if I remember right, Mum, was about you. And you told her I was fond of flowers. I may have just mentioned that you liked 'em, Mum. Aunt Jane gave a scornful snort, and the man responded in a curious way. He winked slowly and laboriously, still retaining the solemn expression on his face. "You may go, Oscar. Have the girl's luggage placed in her room." "Yes, mum." He touched his hat and then withdrew, leaving Jane Merrick with a frown upon her brow that was not caused by his seeming impertinence. Presently, a slight and graceful form darted through the opening in the hedge, and approached the chair wherein Jane Merrick reclined. "Oh, my dear, dear aunt!" cried Louise. "How glad I am to see you at last! And how good of you to let me come here!" And she bent over and kissed the stern, unresponsive face with an enthusiasm delightful to behold. "This is Louise, I suppose," said Aunt Jane stiffly. "You are welcome to Elmhurst." Tell me how you are," continued the girl, kneeling beside the chair and taking the withered hands gently in her own. "Do you suffer any? And are you getting better, dear aunt, in this beautiful garden with the birds and the sunshine?" "Get up," said the elder woman roughly. "You're spoiling your gown." Louise laughed gaily. "Never mind the gown," she answered. "Tell me about yourself. 
I've been so anxious since your last letter. Aunt Jane's countenance relaxed a trifle. To speak of her broken health always gave her a sort of grim satisfaction. I'm dying, as you can plainly see, she announced. My days are numbered, Louise. If you stay long enough, you can gather wildflowers for my coffin. Louise flushed a trifle. A bunch of buttercups and forget-me-nots was fastened to her girdle, and she had placed a few marguerites in her hair. Don't laugh at these poor things, she said deprecatingly. I'm so fond of flowers, and we find none growing wild in the cities, you know. Jane Merrick looked at her reflectively. How old are you, Louise? she asked. Just seventeen, aunt. I had forgotten you are so old as that. Let me see. Elizabeth cannot be more than fifteen. Elizabeth? Elizabeth de Graff, your cousin. She arrived at Elmhurst this morning, and will be your companion while you are here. That is nice, said Louise. I hope you will be friends. Why not, aunt? I haven't known much of my relations in the past, you know, so it pleases me to find an aunt and a cousin at the same time. I am sure I shall love you both. Let me fix your pillow. You do not seem comfortable. There, isn't that better? Patting the pillow deftly. I'm afraid you have needed more loving care than a paid attendant can give you. Glancing at old Martha Fibbs, who stood some paces away, and lowering her voice that she might not be overheard. But for a time at least, I mean to be your nurse and look after your wants. You should have sent for me before, Aunt Jane. Don't trouble yourself. Fibbs knows my ways and does all that is required. Said the invalid rather testily. Run away now, Louise. The housekeeper will show you to your room. It's opposite Elizabeth's, and you will do well to make her acquaintance at once. I shall expect you both to dine with me at seven. Can't I stay here a little longer? pleaded Louise. We haven't spoken two words together as yet, and I'm not a bit tired or anxious to go to my room. What a superb oleander this is! Is it one of your favorites, Aunt Jane? Run away, repeated the woman. I want to be alone. The girl sighed and kissed her again, stroking the gray hair softly with her white hand. Very well, I'll go, she said. But I don't intend to be treated as a strange guest, dear aunt, for that would drive me to return home at once. You are my father's eldest sister, and I mean to make you love me, if you will give me the least chance to do so. She looked around her inquiringly, and Aunt Jane pointed a bony finger at the porch. That is the way. Fibbs will take you to Misery, the housekeeper, and then return to me. Remember, I dine promptly at seven. I shall count the minutes, said Louise, and with a laugh and a graceful gesture of a Jew, turned to follow Martha into the house. Jane Merrick looked after her with a puzzled expression upon her face. Were she in the least sincere, she muttered, Louise might prove a very pleasant companion. But she's not sincere. She's coddling me to win my money, and if I don't watch out, she'll succeed. The girl's a born diplomat, and weighed in the balance against sincerity, diplomacy will often tip the scales. I might do worse than to leave Elmhurst to a clever woman. But I don't know Beth yet. I'll wait and see which girl is the most desirable, and give them an equal chance. End of chapter 8